I wake up every single day, I am who I say I am. And I get what I get because I live in beast mode. Stop being gazelle, you're not average. You're not even good. You were born to be great. What's going on world? Welcome to another edition of the Secret to Success podcast. I'm your host, CJ. Joined as always by the Bayesian sensation, Mr. Carl Phillips. What's happening? E.T. the hip hop preacher. One, two, one, two, mic check, one, two. Oh, man, I thought you were going to bust a little freestyle They're for They're not us. ready, though. They don't, look, they don't know that I did a hip-hop, a couple bars on a Christian album back in the day. I got to try to find that for you, <laughs> see? They don't know. Is, is there any truth to the to the, to the uh, the myth that you were the first Easy e Ah, well, second, second. <laughs> no doubt, man, and today... Man, y'all know, first of all, y'all know we don't really do guests. Like, I think we've had, and Josh is not a guest, Josh is family. Glenn is really not a guest because Glenn is family. But today we have another guest who is like family as well. And I'll be honest, one of the reasons that you guys are probably listening to this podcast right now, you guys know when we first started out, he and I were doing, I don't even know if you could call it a podcast. It was like a, 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 a talking blog. Every once in a while, like once every six months, we'll just jump on the mic and do something. Um, but we we actually wanted to get serious about the podcast, man. And um, this gentleman, you know, who we've known for a while was like, yo, y'all got to get real with it. Let me show you the ropes. Let me show you how to do it. And uh, he came with some information that just helped take our podcast to a whole nother level. And so we knew it wouldn't be long before we got him on our podcast. He's been on his podcast several times. And uh, the, the, the gentleman that I'm referring to is Mr. Sean Stevenson. Drum roll. If you don't know Sean. Yeah, if you don't know Sean, you should. Um, he's the best-selling author and creator of the Model Health Show, featured as the number one health podcast on iTunes with over one million listener downloads every month. He graduated from the University of Missouri, St. Louis, and is an entrepreneur. He's been featured in Men's Health Magazine, ESPN, CNN, Look, should I keep going, Sean, or do, do I? Let me know. Let me know when you feel like you've got your appropriate just do, my brother. Is, That's good. Does that sound all right? That's good, man. You make me. You make me sound good, man. Listen, I appreciate man. It. Thank you so much. Like seriously, for all the advice you've given us before we even jump into the podcast, man. Just you know, your advice has helped us get to a point where you know we. I don't know if we got a million a month, but you know we got we got maybe a few hundred thousand listening a month, man, and we are. Uh, definitely indebted to you for that information you gave us just from how to set up the podcast, where to host it, where to put it. Um, you know, you were instrumental in that, man. So I appreciate it. You know, a lot of times when people can see themselves as competition or something like that, they don't want to share the secrets. And man, you came right the off the cover. We're like, sauce. hey, guys, if you want to do it, here's how you do it. So uh, say what? The secret sauce. I don't know who's going to have to chop yeah, the secret sauce. I know who's going to have to chop the onions up so small, though, see? No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> absolutely. So listen, man, Sean, here at uh, uh, Secret to Success Podcast, we got a segment we do called Am I Tripping Or? And um, today's Am I Tripping Or? Is, Am I Tripping Or? Is there nothing worse than watching your child be sick or injured or hurt or something along those lines, man? For the last four days, three, four days now, my daughter Avery has had a major fever and, you know, anywhere from 101 to 104, and it has been a rough few days, man. Just looking at my little girl, man, she, you know, she a little lethargic. 
you know, we took her in. Doc was like, look, she's got a virus. She's fighting it off. You know, the doctors always make you feel like nothing wrong. Like, ah, oh, go home. You're fine. I'm like, man, something is wrong. But I know Carl can 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 understand my pain of when your child is going through. I'm right there with you. Oh, man. Like, seriously, like, I, 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 like, I'm not trying to be funny, but, like, my spirit's been down the last few days. Like, I've been, like, really struggling because... You know, just to watch this little girl and, you know, she, you know, she's red and, you know what I mean? She, she's hot. She's not feeling well. She's super clingy. And, you know, Avery is, man, she is like the most playful little girl in the world. She's always smiling, always happy. And for the last three, four days, man, she's just been going through it. And this really, um, you know, put a damper on my mood a little bit, man. So am I tripping or literally is there nothing worse than watching your child go through it? Well, hey, I'll just go right there and let you know it's the worst in the world. Um, just... Uh, both kids, man. Jordan, Jesse broke their arms. Y'all know that we talked about that. And I'm watching these kids. My daughter, she's a little more, I say, resilient than my son. But with both of them, man, like they had the flu a couple weeks ago. I couldn't even work. See, like I literally sat with my man and mm -hmm. we don't let them watch TV like that. Oh, we, I promise we watch TV all day. I just sat holding my man. Right. And it's it just, it just, it's hard. It's hard. I, I'm a softy. Y'all call me soft, whatever. But it's, it's tough for me, man. Yeah, man. I mean, I totally agree. Yeah. It's, it can be heartbreaking, man. But anything that we all know about our kids is that they're little smugglers, man. You know, being in school and just being out in the world, you know, they're going to pick up things here or there, viruses, bacterial infections. But the human mm -hmm. body is so resilient. You know, I think a big part of that suffering yeah. is from us just watching our kids not being themselves. But that develops mm -hmm. that quality in us as well, man, to be strong for them. And, you know, just knowing that those kids are going to bounce back. You know, but I know it's tough during the moment, man. But of course, she's gonna, she's gonna, she's gonna yeah. be all right. You and you make a good point, Sean, because you talk about resiliency. I remember my son started daycare. You know, he would get sick every now and then. And I promise you, now he's been in the daycare three years, and boy, I mean, Trey get hit by a truck. You know? like, <laughs> I'm good. You know what I mean? So, Mutant. you know, I know it's you know it's good for, but you know, my daughter, man, you know that's my little princess, man. It just it does just break your heart, man. But you know, I know that uh, you guys you've gone through it, going through it whole nine. And so, you know, I, I, uh, I feel confident in knowing that, you know, it won't, it won't last long. So for sure, man, Sean, man. So I got, man, I got so many questions, man. Of course, I read the book Sleep Smarter, which, um, you know, I want, I want to definitely get into that. I want to get into some, some of the entrepreneurial side of what you're doing. I got some health and fitness questions for you. You are like the guru on all these things. But um, first, I want to start with, you know, because we have a lot of people who listen to us who actually want to start podcasting, right? We, we get a lot of emails from people, you know, one of the most frequently asked questions we get is, you know, how did you guys decide to start the podcast? I want to start a podcast. Where should I start? What should I do? Give, give the people, because you are, you know, a guru in this space, give the people an idea of what it takes to start one, kind of the advice you gave us. Like, where do they start? Do they just go in the basement and pick a topic? Or what does that look like, Sean? Okay. Yeah, you know, what's so fascinating, and just to be... Uh, right off the bat, man. I mean, we did this. Well, we've been been able to accomplish what we have with a very small team, you know, essentially three people, and we're competing with these huge corporations. And what you talked about earlier, and just giving away the secrets, is I term it cooperation. You know what I'm saying? And just like hmm. the 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 rising tide. Say that one more time, Sean. They they might have missed it. Say one more time. I call it cooperation, right? Because the the rising tide raises all ships. So when your show gets love. My show gets love. Uh, our mutual friend, Lewis Howes. People put more eyes onto the podcast world and the cream naturally rises to the top and they're going to find us. You know, So I'm into supporting those individuals who's going to bring more positivity to this medium. 
it's a very powerful medium because it really speaks to how we've evolved. You know, we evolved sharing story and the spoken word and sharing our history and understanding about the world and how things work. You know, so it's tapping into that. Plus, the value is that, and I know people listening right now, they're working out, they're in their car, they're cleaning the house, they're just kicking back. You can do this in that net time, you know, that no extra time where you can just continue doing what you naturally do, but you get educated and inspired at the same time. And so, just saying that right off the bat, you don't need a huge team, you don't need a lot of money to start this. But what you do need, the number one thing in being effective in this medium, right, right off the bat, is that you have, you absolutely must be yourself. That's the only way you're going to compete in this medium because they're literally like a couple hundred thousand podcasts now. But the podcast world is still like a toddler, right? It, it hasn't fully developed. It's barely even walking right now. So there's a lot of room for growth. But to get in this, you have to differentiate yourself. And to do that, I don't recommend you put on a, a song and dance. I recommend you be yourself. Because that's what people are going to tune into. They're not listening to your podcast. They're listening to you. They're not buying your book. They're buying you. So come with that right off the bat. Be yourself and the right people are going to be attracted to that. Uh, number two. Oh, no, oh, I was go just going to say, I agree with that fully. And I think that's one of the you know, first things that we wanted to do was look at the industry and say, okay, what's kind of missing or what, do we, what can we add to the game or bring to the table? So, yeah, no, I'm with you. And so that's really the hallmark thing. And everything builds from that. And the next thing is just understanding it. You guys get a great understanding just by listening to you guys show. You came out of the gate. What I love about you guys and people that don't know you personally can hear this from me. You guys literally execute on everything. Everything that I gave you guys, you guys put into into action. You know, you don't mess around. And that's really what it takes is just listen to a show like this. Pay attention to some of the things with the structure. I love how you guys add in the am I tripping or and et segment you know the nugget of the day create some kind of structure to make it like a show you know something that people are tuning into where they can get some consistency they know what to expect but then you fill it with a lot of variety as well you know with the different show topics so find a way to create a container for your show and create a structure that's again unique you know maybe you create uh the 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 two-minute podcast right or you do the um, the soap opera podcast. I don't know, man, but just find something that creates a unique structure for the show itself. Yeah. I, I, um, one more. Yeah. Go, no, go no, ahead, go man. I got a question for you. Like, but yeah, but but finish that because you're talking to the people that should be doing it. I want to get to the next group after you finish this. Okay. Cool. Cool. So, and I could share another ten things. We could do a whole show just on this, but I know we got other stuff to get to. But another really important thing is. Um, you know, just getting the back end stuff, which I'm going to give a quick sidebar to that. Uh, so Carl would be a great resource. Maybe he could put together a little uh, PDF or something for this. But basically, you know, getting tapped into things like um, uh, Libsyn that can push your show out onto the different platforms. And so my show is on iTunes. And today we're number one in the U.S. in nutrition and fitness. And it's because iTunes is a platform that gets pushed out automatically. There's Stitcher, SoundCloud. I just got you guys on board with iHeartRadio, Spotify. Everybody can get connected to most of these platforms. So get um, some tech to be able to do that. And once you set it, you can forget it. It's not that difficult. And the last thing with actually putting the show together is this. This is the biggest key. I, I, please understand this. This is not a joke. The number one key to success in this medium is consistency. 
And it's really that simple. This has been the most consistent thing I've ever done in my life outside of being a husband and a father is showing up every single week, no matter what, and creating a show. And I'm not just showing up, I'm showing up prepared because for my show, it's a masterclass on that subject matter. So somebody wants to know how to reverse diabetes, they're going to get the definitive guide on what that looks like. So I've got an important job to do and I'm going to show up and do my job no matter what. So make sure that it's something consistent. So many people start podcasts or they start doing YouTube videos or they start blogging or they start trying to speak and then they quit, you know, just because of whatever reason. Stuff is going to come up. You got to expect that, but you got to keep moving forward no matter what. Okay, so here go my question. And, and, and for everybody that's listening, you know what I'm saying, especially those of you, you know, in the, in the world of faith, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but Sean, you, you from St. Louis, you know, you in St. Louis, we're in Detroit. It, it's a church on every corner. And because there's no like law or no rules or nothing, like anybody could just, and again, I'm not saying I'm an authority on who should start one and who shouldn't, but it's just like, man, sometimes it's like, wow, there's no sacredness in it. Like everybody's doing it. And I just feel like that's where we're going with podcasts now. And, and I'm not saying we're the only ones that we should be doing it, but like for real, bro, who should start a podcast and who shouldn't? Just because everything is free. You know, iClouds is free, SoundCloud is, you know, free. All the stuff you mentioned. It sounds like you about to go on one of your Facebook live I, rants. I just, I'm just, you know, I'm just saying, Sean, <laughs> you just talked about how you a master at this. You talked about how we took the information, whatever. Just because you yeah, can't doesn't you mean you so should. talk to us. Yeah, yeah. just because you can't talk, doesn't talk mean you should. Sean, like, what's the, what's the one, two, threes, ABCs, or who should sit their butt down and do something else first? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> who should start a podcast? Are you asking him to call out the terrible podcast? I'm not. Podcasts I'm, not. I'm just asking some. I'm asking him. Sean, tell yeah. us all the worst podcasts. Go I'm look them up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna plead, plead the fifth. <laughs> fifth, fifth, man, on that one. But you know, I, I totally, I totally understand that. You know, because and you just said it. Just because you can doesn't mean that you should. And I love that quote that says, you know, you can have uh, anything, but you can't have everything. You know, and so focusing on that one thing that really. I'm a big proponent of mastering something, mastering a craft, right? So if it is writing, if it is speaking, if it is doing YouTube videos, whatever that is, that's why, again, I've been successful in, in this space. I'm not huge on the social media numbers, the YouTube, all that stuff. That's all secondary to me. I put everything with my small team into making this podcast epic. So that's number one. If you're not prepared to become a master at this practice then don't do it you know it's just a waste of time so that's number one and number two is know yourself you know really just understand uh and, and I, I i would also and this is tough though i would also ask some of the opinions of those that know you you know and, and just kind of see what you're actually good at and um it, but that's i'm telling you though that can be a tough sticky situation to get into you might hear some things you don't want to hear but just get some feedback on, you know, do you think I'm a better speaker or do you think I'm a better writer? Uh, do you think I'm great on camera or, you know, and also, but ask your uh, respected and trusted advisors. Don't just ask, you know, necessarily your mate if they don't really understand the game. Yourself. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> or yourself. Right. Don't just ask yourself. That's yeah, all no, I wanted I, to know, see. Yeah, that's all yeah, I wanted no, I to know because they're popping up everywhere, see. They yeah, no, I got you. And, that, and that's great info. And I, I didn't want to spend a whole lot of time on podcasts because I believe, you know, while we have you on here, 
um, you know, we need to get some information out. And we talk about, believe it or not, Sean, I know we, we are not the, we're definitely not the model health, right? This, this ain't the model health podcast. This is the, uh, I can still see my feet podcast. You know what I'm saying? So I want to go with those, the three guys on this podcast, we, we got what we like to refer to as dad bods. You know what I'm saying? So we're trying to keep the diabetes away. You know, we're trying to make sure the grown man gift still, you know, works. Um, so what, I guess I want to start with, you know, because, and this is, and I'll be serious for a minute. You know, obviously E is, people look at E as like the no sleep guy, right? And so the 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 I think E sometimes people take his stuff and like you know you'll see comments all the time like oh this guy tells everybody not to sleep and don't sleep and I think it, the 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 smarter individuals of the world understand that what when E's talking about don't sleep he means don't oversleep right so many of us overdo it and E always has one of, one of the most famous lines that E has when people get on him about telling people not to sleep is he says most people don't need help hitting the snooze button right like most people don't need help you know, eating pizza and burgers. Like most people don't need help with those things. And so, um, you know, E does push that, you know, get up early, that grind, that whole thing. And you actually wrote a book called Sleep Smarter, which is a fantastic read with a ton of tangible takeaways. I recommend it to anybody who really wants to know how to get a better quality of sleep. But there's a few things, there's some major tips and tricks that you talk about in here uh, in terms of getting not not oversleeping, but getting the correct amount of sleep and how that can help you. So before we go into those tips and tricks, I know, you, you know, just from talking to you and knowing your story, you actually had a bone disease that kind of, you know, um, you know, defeated you for a little while and your health got away from you. But through, you know, finding a better sleep pattern and, and kind of a different mindset, you were able to get that health back. And for those of you who are going to go Google Sean and never heard of him, he, he looks a little different than we look. He does definitely don't have a dad by but but how did you one i want to talk about the mindset first because there's so many people out there and you know let's be honest most people who set out to lose weight don't lose any weight or they lose weight for a little while and they gain it right back what was the kind of the and, and it's not just weight but just health in general um after you had you know can you talk a little bit about the bone disease you know what happened and then how you bounced back and how you stayed on point and what advice do you have for people who are looking to reclaim their health okay man sure thing so first thing is yeah, the, the title of the book is Sleep Smarter, Not Sleep More, you know, and that's really what it's about because we want to be able to take advantage of this opportunity that we have here on the planet. And but we also want to show up as the best version of ourselves to be able to do it. And I was definitely, definitely not the best version of myself uh, about 17 years ago. And, you know, for people who know anything about like the NFL combine and numbers, things like that. When I was 15 in high school, I was 15 years old, I ran a 4-5, 40-yard dash. Things were looking good for me. You know, schools were looking at me, but something kind of tragic happened. And this is when I was 15, I'm sorry, 16. And I was in a time trial at track practice doing a 200-meter sprint. And as I was coming off the curve onto the straightaway, my hip broke. And this is not from trauma, it's just from running. My hip broke. And... At the time, I had no idea what was going on. Neither did the physicians. But the thing was, they didn't stop to ask questions. All they did was standard of care. Stay off the leg, take some uh, anti-inflammatories, you know, you'll get better. You're, when you're 16, you have the hormones of like a, 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 a Greek god or something. So you're going to get better. And But nobody stopped to ask, how did this kid's hip break? And it wasn't until I was 20, when I was in college, that I get this diagnosis of this degenerative bone disease and degenerative spinal disease. And my physician at the time said I had the spine of an 80-year-old person when I was 20. And being this kind of, you know, robust, 
athletic person and all of a sudden I get hit with this news, it shattered my entire world because he also told me that there was nothing I could do about it. He said that this was incurable and this is something I'm just going to have to deal with. And from that point, we have to understand this is an important term for people to understand. It's called a nocebo effect. Nocebo effect. Many people have heard of the placebo effect. And that's basically a positive injunction that uh, medication or treatment is going to do something to your physiology. And so, but also people don't realize that placebos on average are 33% effective. Just your belief, your belief that a drug works or treatment works will heal your body 33% of the time. Even if it's a sham, it's fake, it's a a water pill Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. sugar pill. So a nocebo effect is giving somebody a negative injunction that something is going to happen. This is when the doctor told, tells me that it's incurable, there's nothing I can do about it, and I believe him. And I go from walking into the doctor's office with some slight pain to two months later being debilitated, laid out on my floor wearing a back brace. All right? Now, two and a half years go by with this drama. And I definitely, uh, because I was a lot more docile, I wasn't getting up, I wasn't being active because I was in fear. And my physician gave me permission to not do anything. So I did it. And so I gained about 50 pounds of uh, fluffiness. We'll call it fluffiness. Well, that's what I like over- to call it too, Sean. Sean, better than fat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I, I've never heard yeah, fluffy. I like that. I'm, I'm going to use that. So two, two and a half years go by and I gained these 50 pounds. And it wasn't until, and this is where, you know, that mindset piece came in. And please, everybody, make sure that if you do get a diagnosis of a a chronic illness, get a second, third, fourth opinion. Uh, because I'll tell you right now, I would have had back surgery at the age of 20 if if it was a viable option, if that's what they told me to do, because I was not educated about my body. And so 22 is about, I'm about 22 and a half now. And this all changed after I get this bad note from the final physician. You know, for, it was consistent. Every doctor did tell me the same thing. But then I realized like I had a choice to make. I'm just going to continue on this path of degeneration and kind of withering away or I'm going to do something about it. And that's when I realized I'd been giving my power away all of those years. And I decided to get well. Now, I don't want people to glance past that because it's actually the most important thing in transforming your body. Most of the time it's wishful thinking. Like, I I wish this would work or I'll try. We'll see what happens. I hope this works. But when you make a real decision about something, you cut away the possibility of anything but that thing happening. And so I decided to get well. And I'm a very analytical person. Um, You know, I went to school pre-med, but then I got out of it because I hated science. But I had this process in my mind and I put a plan together. So it wasn't just like I decided to get well and the clouds parted and a rainbow came out. I put a plan together and executed on the plan. And that plan entailed three specific things. One was right nutrition. Um, because the crazy thing was I never stopped to ask, what am, what is my bones actually made of? Right. When, when you hear bones, like what nutrient do you guys think of? You think if you think about bones, calcium, exactly. The milk mustache, the marketing is fantastic. It's not that important. This is the thing. I, I found out that things like vitamin D, uh, sulfur bearing amino acids, magnesium, vitamin C even was more critical to Uh, increasing my bone density than calcium was but I wasn't getting none of that stuff in my uh, I called it uh, the tough diet it was typical university food you know I was eating the Papa John's 
for breakfast and dinner, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. and Sunny D. Sonny D, that was mine. Oh yeah, and no doubt, Sonny D. So yeah. uh, don't 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 sleep under Sonny D now. <laughs> so I, th- that's where I was getting my nutrition. I realized I, I wasn't giving my body the raw materials that it even needed to rebuild me. And so once I began to flood my tissues with those things, my body could actually do the job it wanted to do in the first place. So number two was movement, because they gave me permission to not do anything. I took it, and if you're not moving your body. You, your whole body will atrophy. All your muscles will atrophy. Your bones will atrophy. Your body requires movement in order to heal itself. And so I began to move again and to exercise. And I just started with what I could do, which was pedaling on a stationary bike and eventually got to picking up the weights again. And I just, I could deadlift 400 pounds today, you know? And this is from a guy with so-called incurable spinal condition. So in the third part, and this is the most important piece, and I'm a clinical nutritionist, so for me to say this, It took some getting used to in my own mind. Sleep and recovery was the game changer. My biggest struggle every day was when I laid my head down at night because my pain was so bad that if I even changed positions, the pain would wake me up. It would shoot down my leg and jar me out of my sleep. So I was like terrified to sleep, man. So I had a little chemical cocktail, my my prescription medication, over-the-counter, Tylenol PM, Celebrex, to kind of put me out. And then my waking hours, because it was pseudo-sleep, I was like a zombie when I woke up. So once once I changed some things in my day, and this is what people are going to learn today, there's certain things you could do during your waking hours that will show up for you big time when you lay your head down at night. And once my sleep got dialed in, it's like the floodgates open. You know, over the course of six weeks, I lost 28 pounds. The pain I've been experiencing every single day of my life for two and a half years was gone. And it wasn't until about nine months later, I got a scan done and I regenerated the tissue that they said was impossible. My two herniated discs had retracted on their own, and I was better than I had ever been. And they said it was So you're impossible. like the Terminator. Just, <laughs> just, or, or Predator or something. That, just replacing tissue and all kind of stuff. Wow. But that's what your body does, man. Your body knows what yeah. to do. Yeah, that's crazy. And I think the first thing that, that I hope people heard was you had to educate yourself. I think that's, the, that's a problem for most of us. Like... We don't, like, for real, somebody just told you milk was good for your bones, so you drank a whole lot of milk and didn't even know that there was other things on the horizon. So I think, you know, you said it, you know, you have to be educated about what the best policies are. Now, you mentioned, you know, the things that we can do, I guess, to kind of prepare for sleep. So talk to us about, for real, how does yeah, how does deep. diet affect yeah, our sleep? Deep. How do, You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Talk us through sure. a couple of those things. Okay, the first thing to understand is that food isn't just food, it's information. And every single bite of food that you consume elicits certain programs, certain genes get expressed and certain genes become dormant. So I think a good tie here, you know, real talk, everybody, regardless of what they want to do with their business or or things of that nature or relationships, everybody wants to look good. Right. We're not waking up in the morning like, you know what? I want to look ugly today. You know, nobody's doing that. So I'm going to tie this to something more visceral. Recently discovered there's this, quote, fat gene, right? And there's actually many, but the main one is called this FTO gene, right? FTO gene. And this fat gene, is, it's, it has, it's an epigenetic influenced gene. So that means if you have this gene, which the majority of us do, it can be dormant, which means it's not active, or it can be expressed, And so that expression depends on several lifestyle factors. Food is one of the big ones. So literally, it's not about 
calories. You know, I'm going to count these calories. If you're eating 300 calories of cookies versus 300 calories of broccoli, this gene is going to get expressed based on that decision. It's not about the calories. Calories do matter, but not as much as the quality of those calories. So it's really important to understand that. And so tying that in with sleep, this is very, very profound and something that uh, this is one of my favorite chapters in the book I talked about fixing your gut to fix your sleep. So you guys have all, everybody's heard about melatonin, right? It's mm-hmm. this, this quote, sleep hormone. So people are like really fascinated when they find this out. We think about this melatonin, our sleep kind of being something in our head. We unconsciously think this. But there's 400 times more melatonin in your gut than in your brain. So what you put into your gut influences your melatonin a lot, just to kind of get right to the hmm. point. And so yeah. no, it makes sense. eating real food is critical because those are the things that the gut bacteria and your cells that line your gastrointestinal tract have evolved having. So, but in comes a Twinkie and it can throw off that system. It can throw off that communication, you know, and I'm not trying to bash Twinkies, you know, if it was a zombie ap- apocalypse or something, you know, Twinkie would be all good. There's a space for everything. But in this context, on a consistent basis, you want to eat real food. And so, gonna... so real food, just real quick, so we, so we know what you mean, because like I said, people need to be educated. When you say real food, now E is an avid consumer of Chick-fil-A, Chipotle, and Cheesecake Factory, the three C's. <laughs> now, where does that go in the diet spectrum? How is E, I'm surprised E has got the wink of sleep in the last five years. They don't years. know what I eat when but, I'm there, Sean. They just know I go oh, there. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've been there with you a few times. I didn't see any broccoli. That's all I'm saying. So, so Sean, so, seriously though, Sean, talk to us about a couple of those foods. And I, why you mentioned broccoli. Real quick, this is just a random question. I guess not random. But is it true that steamed broccoli is not as good for you as just regular broccoli? Because yes. I try to be, uh, Siri just tried to answer that. Well, wow. um, I'm not sure what you said. Okay, Siri, thank you. <laughs> yes, Siri, Siri was like, look, Sean, I got this. Okay, yeah. but but real quick, is is Steamed broccoli not good for you? Okay. Because yeah, let me just give question. it up all, all together. Because we eat steamed broccoli around here every night, it seems like. And if it's not good for me, I'm about to just get rid of it. Okay. So, um, that's in this crucifer family. And there's certain compounds in there called goitrogens that can actually be problematic uh, if you're eating raw broccoli. If you're eating raw kale and all those kind of things too much. I'm sorry, not kale, but like Brussels sprouts and things of that nature. So... The humans have evolved. Cooking was actually an evolutionary advantage because it allowed us to kind of cook out some of these, they're called secondhand in, uh, enzyme inhibitors. So you can actually digest them. So uh, I, I, if you're meaning raw broccoli versus steamed broccoli or, you know, cooked broccoli, uh, you know, in the oven or something like that, that's actually going to allow you to eat it more frequently and to get all of the benefits from the, the bioavailable minerals, the fiber and things like that. If you're eating raw broccoli on a regular basis, that can actually suppress your thyroid function. So mm. I hope that makes sense. Okay, yeah, no. What about the cheese that I put on it? Is that, a, is that okay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So in the ranch that I dip it in. In the <laughs> ranch, eh? You know what I'm saying? I want to know ranch. if the ranch... It's a ranch. Oh, I believe you. No, I'm just at, no, no these, hey, listen, this is the dad bod podcast. We got real <laughs> questions here. You know what I'm saying? What? This ain't, we ain't trying to get abbed out. We're just trying to keep the diabetes away. I'm saying not to be funny, CJ, but the questions you're asking probably represent 90% of the population. Though, oh, you know I'm, I'm sure. 
hey, most of most of us uh, have the dad bod. And <laughs> so, no, so so real quick, get, get to what you said, though. So talk, sure. talk to us about what a good diet is, Sean. If we want to get a full night's rest today, I wake up, I wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning. What is a, a good breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack? What does that regiment look like in order to give us the fullest night's sleep we could possibly get, the most fulfilling night's sleep, I, I should say? Okay, got you. So uh, from the diet perspective, I'll just give people an analogy. I'll give you a story. Um, if if you want to think about if there was somebody from an indigenous tribe that came to your kitchen, you know, we just say somebody was plucked, the Maasai, a Maasai warrior was plucked and brought into your kitchen and you take him around and you show him your different food products and you sh- take him over and you show him the, um, the the produce, you know, you show him the, the, the fruits and vegetables and he's going to be like, yes, we have fruits and vegetables that I recognize that. Then you take them over to your, you know, your freezer, your refrigerator, where you have your meat, and they recognize that. Yes, we hunt animals. We understand that. We this is something familiar to us. Then you show them the the seeds and nuts, and then you show them, um, uh, you know, all of the different produce things like that. For the Maasai, for example, you just talked about cheese, the dairy, right? Maasai consume dairy, so that's real food. Right hmm. now, you take him over to you open Not up the a cupboard. Blue bunny ice cream, oh. that and you show him oh, the, cookie, the cookies and cream. Does he recognize the blue bunny? <laughs> <laughs> you show him. You show him the Lucky Charms. You show him the Doritos. Oh. Right, <laughs> and all of a sudden, it loses connection. There's no hmm. resemblance of that food to its natural essence. So that's what real food really is. It's food that you can recognize where it comes from. And it's yeah, really but I think simple. still, even even in that, Sean, though, like I, I feel you, but like it within that, what are the parameters of that? Because it's like, okay, you recognize, you know, steak, but we can't eat, you know, beef three day, you know, three times a day. You know what I mean? So like, I think those are the things that sometimes people struggle with, even when we have the information. Do we have all the correct information, right? Like, you know, is it, you know, they recognize eggs. Should we be eating a dozen eggs a day? You know what I mean? Like, really trying to find that balance. No, that's the problem, man, is that there's so much misinformation out there that we get confused. You know, it's really really as simple as looking back, what did your ancestors do? You know, it's really that simple. You know, so in the context of, you know, eating steak three times a week, all of this is going to depend on you and your unique biochemistry, you know, and all of this stuff, you know, when it's kind of outlined uh, for a strategy in and of itself, we have to look at what your goals are as well, you know. And so if we're talking in the context of sleep, we're just going to keep it on this track. We need to make sure that our food is delivering to our body these key what I call sleep nutrients, things that are responsible for building hormones and neurotransmitters related to sleep. And I'll just share two of them with you real quick. Uh, One of them is potassium, right? So potassium, a lot of people hear about that. They tend to think about bananas as a good source. Um, The Public Library of Science did a study and they found that individuals deficient in potassium had radically increased incidences of waking up during the night multiple times. So because of a a deficiency in potassium. Now, the issue is if I'm jamming down a bunch of bananas, that might cause problems with my blood sugar. All right. So in a spot case, like if it's post-workout, that's a great place to add in a half a banana, something like that. But generally, you want to keep your blood sugar more stable so you can turn to better sources. Like, Yo, I swear my wife and I were just having this conversation because my son loves bananas. 
And I was like, what's the problem? I was like, it's, you know, it's fruit. Let him eat it. And my, my wife was like, it's too high in sugar for him to be eating all those bananas. So, wow, I just literally just had that conversation this morning. Yeah, look, so the potassium better source would be avocados. But I want to share, I just did a keynote at an event in the Philippines, right? And so they have a mm -hmm. little bit more of an indigenous type banana that actually had these big seeds in it. You don't see no seeds in your bananas, right? Mm -mm. What happened? Those are the reproductive parts of the banana like that banana literally can't reproduce and so you've probably heard this saying you are what you eat you don't want to eat stuff that can't reproduce right so we want to be more mindful of that no you don't you don't yeah. but you can okay. use it in a spot case what made me so good at what i do man is that everything still has its place i didn't say don't eat the banana i said you know in a spot case post-workout half a banana throw it into your shake that kind of thing but we don't want to rely on these few these foods that have been mutated by man so heavily. So, help me out, Sean. I, I, I mean, like literally, you go to the grocery store now, and so I want to know, like, for, so here's my big question: like, how do I start today to get healthy? Like, how, like, you know, just give me the point blank things that I need to do, you know, that are easy, because I don't want to start a habit that I can't keep. So, like, give me step one, step two. Like, you know, it's a whole lot of information that we don't have. Like, give me step one. Like, what do I do today? Okay, got it. Um, so I'm going to I know that there's a lot of different contexts for people. You know, there's a uh, vegan diets, there's vegetarian diets, there's uh, paleo diets, there's uh, Atkins diets. There's all these different diet frameworks, but I'm just going to keep it yeah, seafood diet, the seafood. I see it and I eat it. Yeah, all of oh no question, <laughs> no, no question. No question. <laughs> so please, please throw in the Chipotle and uh, uh, Chick Fil A diet. Okay, that, I'm, I'm going to throw some Chipotle in here on purpose. Here we go. So okay, good. We're going to start the day, and this is just from the perspective of uh, a general, you know, the the majority of the population in the U.S. What they could do. Uh, we want to start our day by keeping our blood sugar stable. This is the most important time because you're far more insulin sensitive in the morning, so you don't want to overdo that because if your insulin gets spiked too high, it's going to cause this um, kind of this, this spillover effect. And more of that insulin is going to get stored, as, I'm sorry, more of that glucose is gonna get stored as fat on your body. So what we wanna do is keep that insulin down in the morning. What we do traditionally is have cereal or have oatmeal, things like that. We wanna go for the classic protein and veggies. So uh, some, some eggs, high quality eggs, maybe some, you know, Wait, what do you mean high quality eggs? The Publix got high quality eggs. I'm trying, or do I need to be going high shelf organic? And that's another. Remind me to get to that too. My wife buys organic everything. I'm not buying it, but you know what I'm saying it's just an extra four dollars on the price tag. We'll get to that later. Don't answer that now because I'm gonna throw you off track. But what do you mean by high quality? No, eggs? no. I'll, I'll just give you one piece of uh, uh, a nugget for that, which is it's not just you are what you eat. It's you are what you eat ate. Okay. Hmm. So if you're eating a sick animal or products from a sick animal, things bioaccumulate in your tissues. And there's studies showing this stuff too, man. Like if you, if you are eating uh, steak, for example, which you mentioned, there is a type of steak that people can eat on more of a consistent basis that doesn't have as many omega-6 inflammatory fats in it. But that's Please not what you're going to get. Please say porterhouse. But that's, you know what I'm saying? Please say porterhouse. So it depends on the, the animal itself, not the cut. But so you're going to start the day with um, preferably free range eggs, you know, chickens that can eat chicken food. All right. And um, you can couple that with maybe you want to have a little, you know, free range sausage, things like that, or just keep it with the eggs if somebody's vegetarian. And then like today, I'll give you an example uh, that I made for me and my wife. Uh, she had some and this is going to sound crazy, but she had some sauerkraut. 
right? When I grew up, I would never in a million years eat that. But that's giving your body all of this beneficial friendly flora. It's basically just like a pickle, but it's cabbage. And I had some greens that she made. And so, and then I had that with some high quality potassium. I had that with a little bit of avocado. And there you go. That was my breakfast to start the day. And then as we move into lunch, it's Chipotle time. We'll just say it's Chipotle time. Uh, we'll just say I had a workout, got a workout in. So I'm going to get that rice when I get to Chipotle because I earned it. And for some people, they could do well with some beans. I'm going to go with the burrito bowl, right? And so some people can do the beans. Some people can't because of uh, enzymes and being able. That's why the whole beans, beans, good for your heart. You know, the gas thing. You shouldn't be gassy just because you ate a meal. Um, so you might need to lay off the beans for some people or you take some enzymes along with it. And then we're going to do whatever the protein is for you. You know, maybe it's the steak, maybe it's the the uh, the chicken. And um, if you're working on your gains, maybe you get the double chicken and then all the different veggies that you want. You know, they got the the different salsas, the 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 fajita veggies, um, the guac. Make sure you get the guac in there for sure to get those healthy fats. And there you go. You know, you can, of course, get some a little bit of a little bit of sour cream. A little bit of cheese if you like, but you don't want to go too hard on that because especially African-American okay, population. That's where he, that's, we just found East Kryptonite because he gets triple sour cream and he yells at the people that Chipotle. Evenly they across. Don't spread it evenly I was just going to say. The whole that was a long time ago. That's a long, long time ago. <laughs> no, I, Sean, I'm talking about he almost got arrested on five occasions about choking out the Chipotle man. Cause he tried to just dab a little sour cream right in the middle of his burrito, and he no, did not share it evenly. This is back in it, the day. It used to be this a back, major about cause seven, eight years ago, Sean, when I was eating burritos. Yeah, when, when I was, I was burritos, a child, Sean. I spake and, as and a I, child. And honestly, <laughs> I hate it when they put all the sour cream in the middle of my burrito. I'm like, I want it on every bite. But I will say this too for our listeners that take CJ serious. I do not eat Chick-fil-A, all right? I do not eat Chick-fil-A because I want y'all out there thinking you can eat Chick-fil-A and get away with it. What, what do you mean you don't eat Chick-fil-A? I, don't, I, don't, I probably eat a, Chick, a Chick-fil-A sandwich about it. We just had, I was just with you. We had Chick-fil-A. We had chick Okay, that often. Hey, he forgot two words. Not okay. often. Okay, all right. <laughs> no, and I, okay. and I'm just yeah, saying, you don't eat it every I'm just saying day. I'm being honest. I might eat it once a month. And that's just for those people who are listening, because Sean's on. So I'm not, he's a health person. So I'm not, you know what I'm saying? If it was just me and C. Sean, I wouldn't care. But I I, 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 I literally stopped eating the burrito, Sean, just because of the bread. And I do do the bowl because, for real, the the bread, like you said, if you had that individual going through your uh, kitchen or going through your, you know, um, your diet, uh, uh, that floury whatever is not something that they would produce. So absolutely. Um. But let me, can we go back real quick though? I want to go back to this breakfast of sauerkraut and avocado. Okay, now you just killed me with that. See, and I think that's the, us fluff, fluffy people, <laughs> that's the part that we have the trouble with. You feel me? The fluffiness does not agree with, I'm just going to eat avocado and sauerkraut for breakfast because guess what? I eat that at 8 o'clock, I'm hungry at 8.15, Sean. So how can I get something that's going to stick because... Okay, I'm saying I understand I can't do the pancakes and the waffles and all of that every morning. I get it. But I'm saying you're talking about avocado and sauerkraut and then you was like, boom, and there's breakfast. And I'm saying, what about when I get in the car and I'm 15 minutes away and my stomach is <laughs> pounding? Like, what? A, like you got to give me something better for breakfast. Yeah, so this is a great, great thing. I just gave you the example from today. Then, First of all, it's understand 
I promise you, you will not. Okay, so you didn't start off like this. I'm just making sure. <laughs> okay. Because somebody who eating uh, uh, Breakfast Club right now, <laughs> they can't just go to that uh, avocado and side. I'm going to say, don't put Breakfast Club and Sean in the same episode. You just messed the whole Man. thing up, see? You just messed me up. I'm ready for some grits <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this, is, this podcast is supposed to make you eat less and, and better, not wow. more. All right? So... Sean, yeah. don't worry about these clowns. So stay focused. Here's the thing, man, is that I yep. promise you you won't be hungry. The the reason again that I'm good at what I do is there's no deprivation here. And it's this isn't just the limit. That was just an example. That's why it's tough. I didn't real, I didn't even want to give examples because it's too limited, you know? And that's why I kind of started off with the broad categories. There's so much more. So give us the fluffiest breakfast we can have. And <laughs> oh man! All right, let me give yeah, let me give it, it to you then, man. Yeah, right. give me the fluffiest. Don't start us there. You just okay. started us on like Jane Fonda, you know what I'm saying? Dick Gregory status. All right, like, just give us something fluffy, but still, you know, we still gonna live. <laughs> all right, how about the pumpkin waffles? How about that? Mm, now you're talking we, my we language. Okay, all right. So I heard the W word. What, what it really boils down to for all of us is simply upgrading our ingredients. All right, we can still have a lot okay. of the same things that we've grown grown accustomed to because that's what it really is. We seek in food is familiarity and a certain feeling tone mm-hmm. and emotion that's tied to it as well. But we want to upgrade those ingredients. Mm-hmm. So in the pumpkin waffle, we say pumpkin pancakes. We're gonna use some real, you know, organic canned pumpkin and mix that into the batter. Or we could even use sweet potato. We can make some sweet potato pancakes. Um, but in, for, for the flour, we're going to use like coconut flour. So we're not going to get that glycemic response. And it will taste just as good, if not better, because you're using real food and real ingredients. And, you know, of course, mixing some cinnamon, uh, maybe some almond butter. Or you can use real milk. But again, that depends on you and your unique metabolism, your digestion, if you can handle that. Because especially Afri- African-American individuals, tend to be more lactose intolerant. And that just means we don't produce enough of an enzyme or any of a lactase. Oh, is that what that is? I was wondering why black people don't drink milk. I, You know, it's so funny. You know, I'm half white, half black. All my white cousins drink milk. I'm talking about full <laughs> glasses. We come in from playing hoop. They eat, they drinking milk. I'm like, what are y'all doing? I got the black side, unfortunately, with that. But none of my black family would ever, like if they eat more than two bowls of cereal, I'm talking about clear the room. So it's actually something scientific as to why I just thought it was a myth. You know what I'm saying? But it's actually scientific. Black folk are more prone to be lactose intolerant. Wow. Thank you for clearing that up. No problem, man. No problem. So and taste and taste because you talked about the coconut flour and and the pumpkins and you said that that actually tastes better. I just want to know tastes better to who? Because he likes biscuits. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. He likes biscuits. Oh, man. I mean, I've got got some of the most, like, I'm talking about, like, the top chefs who've helped to make recipes and, you know, all the different guests that I've had on the show with their recipe books, man. Um, I mean, this is coming from somebody. Let me tell you. Let me tell you this. I didn't eat a salad until I was 25 years old. That was the first time I ate a salad in my life. All right. I grew up mm. I grew up on the McDonald's diet. I grew up on the the drive-through diet. So for me to say that I'm yeah. eating some some greens in the morning with breakfast, that has to be good. I don't play around, man. Like I don't think that you should mm-hmm. have to suffer to be healthy. Like suffering does not right. equal health. Like that doesn't even make sense. Right. It's pleasure is really the guiding force. And so like those greens my wife made, they're the best greens I've ever had in my life. Like they're that good. 
you know, and then add to the mix, you know, like we just I just gave a simple and I didn't complete the recipe, but with uh, the pancakes, the pumpkin pancakes. Here's another key, though, is that we want to add in some protein powder, right? You can get you some, you know, chocolate protein or some vanilla protein, whatever you you like, but upgrade the quality. Give yourself some more so that because what really makes people hungry is when their sugar crashes, right? You get that spike from eating the uh, IHOP pancakes. Then you're going to be hungry again two hours later. You know, um, many of the people I know, and I've done this work myself in experimentation, it's hard. It is really hard for me to eat enough food now. And I'm all about keeping my gains, but I have to work. I have to actually put effort into eating more because I'm just not hungry, because I'm giving my cells what they actually need. And what your cells actually need, the two main categories, number one is fat, high quality fat. And fats have been vilified because of lexicon. The name it's it's a it's a matter of semantics, not the, the the food itself, because we think fat in food equals fat on our body. And that's two different things. That's like saying if I eat a blueberry, mm. I'm going to turn blue. It doesn't work like that biochemically. It really should be called proteins, carbohydrates and lipids or proteins, carbohydrates and energy. Right. So we don't get it twisted. There are, of course, certain times of types of fat that are not that great for you. Uh, certain so trans fat, fat is the new uh, healthy. Fat is the new black, or or not? Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. So so I got you. So I got I, I'm, I'm feeling you. Um, I gotta I gotta yeah. Go for I, it. Go for I, it. I got I gotta get out in about three minutes. Sean, my wife and I have a three thirty appointment. I gotta ask you something though, like because and I'm for real. Like I and maybe I'm wrong, but like during the time that I'm at home, especially with my wife's condition, I really try to you know, um, do the right thing, but not like for real, overdo it. You know what I'm saying? It's like I said, no fast food, no French fries, you know, but I think from what you're saying for breakfast, I think I'm making a serious error because what I do is I juice in the morning and then I, of course, hit the lunch like you say, uh, and then dinner, man, I probably, I probably don't do, like after six, I try not to eat and I don't, I don't do a real good job in terms of dinner or I'll do Chipotle and I'll split it up and eat some of it for lunch and eat a small portion for dinner. But the juice in the morning from what I'm hearing and the juice at night doesn't sound like that I should be drinking juice for like meals. And that, that's what I'm hearing. Now, all of this still boils down to the results. You know, if you feel good doing what you're doing and look good doing what you're doing, then stick with it. But for the general population, you know, kind of getting that um, potential issue, and it depends on what you're juicing as well. You know, some people, they need to make a green juice and not a straight up fruit juice with a piece of celery in it. But just how it's mismanaging your blood sugar, you know, I would definitely, I'm a big fan of juicing, um, but I would mix that in to maybe replace uh, a snack, you know, something like that. Um, and just to keep that blood sugar stable, especially in the morning. But I, I think it's a great uh, idea. And also, I got to say this, man, is that a lot of people don't realize you're doing something exceptionally well because it's not the fact that you get up at three o'clock in the morning, but you also are generally going to bed before a lot of these other people are going to bed so that you can get in and what you're doing. And, and I, you know, I talked with him before everybody, but he's he's accidentally he was getting what I call money time sleep. And so the research is showing that sleep between the hours of specifically uh, 10 p.m. and 2 o'clock a.m. is the most beneficial anabolic phase that you can be in as far as getting the most human growth hormone secretion, 
highest melatonin secretion, normalization of cortisol. So he's been doing this and getting more sleep hours in less time because he's sleeping during those hours. You know, and so that's just one of the things that people can leverage. Absolutely. When they're working to sleep smarter yeah. and not sleep more. Yeah, and I got one more thing, because what C is saying is for real, like for real, we 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 are not trying to be bodybuilders. You know what I'm saying? For real. But the other thing, Sean, that I didn't say, and I haven't said it on the podcast, you know, and C kind of alluded to it in terms of tying our shoes. But the thing that I said I was gonna work on in 2017 was the abnormal area, like the abnormal area, like the gut, like the I know that that's I know that a lot of diseases come from, you know what I'm saying, not having that 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 gut, you know, in, in shape and in order. And uh, I've really been working on not necessarily the sit-ups haven't been as strong as like the push-ups, but the eating at a certain time, what I'm eating, and just really trying to keep that flat. And that could be a rumor, you know better than me, but they said for real, a lot of diseases, a lot of sicknesses, you know, even snoring, sleep apnea, a lot of that comes from, you know, that gut area. So can you speak to the dude that ain't necessarily trying to be in the weight room, but to keep certain cancers and other sicknesses away? How important is it, man, to keep that, that gut as flat as possible? Okay, that's a great question. Now, the, the stomach area itself, this is something that I would measure as people are coming in, into my clinic. I wouldn't have them get on a scale. I would measure their waist circumference because the waist circumference if, if somebody's carrying around a lot of extra weight, especially around their waist, it's a classic sign of insulin resistance, right? And so that's one of the gateway, the kind of hallmark things of diabetes. And I could even break that disease down forwards and backwards and how it works and how to reverse it. But the point is, number one, it's a classic sign of that. The, the other thing is, what is it, right? That's not subcutaneous fat. So that's not like skin fat with the gut. With the belly that people tend to carry around, it's actually visceral fat, something called visceral fat. So that means there's a lot more fat around your organs, right? There's more fat around your, your liver. There's more fat around your, uh, around your heart even, right? So there's a lot more visceral fat that you're carrying around, not necessarily like around your heart, like it's squeezing your heart, anything like that, but you're just carrying more uh, fat inside coating your uh, internal organs, all right? So that's important to understand. So in the visceral fat is the most deadly kind of fat because it functions more like another organ. It's basically like you have a second um, set of ovaries, all right? And specifically for men too, you have ovaries if you're carrying around more gut because of this. And uh -oh. So listen to this. this I Don't make tell it make me sense. I'm about to get pregnant, Sean. So <laughs> now I can't handle this. So, this is too much. So here's, here's why I say this is that that visceral fat functions more like an endocrine organ of a woman because it produces more estrogen, right? And so we get into a state called estrogen dominance and your testosterone will go down as well. And so that's why it's so important to target. And real talk, I'm, I'm being straight with you guys. You know, when people see my podcast icon and that kind of thing and they see, you know, the, 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 the videos and things like that, I, I hardly ever do any ab work. So how is that possible that I can have a six pack or eight pack and I'm not doing ab work like that? And it's because. Please tell me quickly, Sean. Tell me <laughs> quick. And it's because of simply uh, targeting just having a little bit lower body fat. And that's from doing compound movements, you know, the squats and, and the, the push-ups like you mentioned, you know, the, uh, the chest press, things like that. So compound movements, but also I'm doing my cardio in a really smart way. 
And a lot of people today, and I've been talking about this for 10 years, man, but they know about high-intensity interval training, right? So H-I-I-T, HIT. So I actually talked with the guy, the scientist who's in the lab taking muscle biopsies and testing people to see how does this compare to doing traditional cardio where you're doing an hour on the treadmill or on the bike. And so here's what he found out, and this blew my mind. I couldn't believe it, man. So they took they took individuals, uh, one group, and they had them to train for five days a week, doing doing 45 to 60 minutes of cardio a day, five days a week. And just say on average, it's 270 minutes of exercise a week. Another group, they had them to train doing high-intensity intervals. So they had them sprint on the bike, go as fast as they can for 30 seconds, then rest for four minutes. Four and a half minutes, actually. And basically, they're barely even moving. So that equated to be about 10 minutes total exercise where they're sprinting for the week. All right. And then there's a rest time in between. But that even compared to the other group, it's one third of the amount of time of that 270 minutes. So here's what they found over the course of the study. And this was it was either four, four or six weeks long. At the end of the study, the people who exercise one third of the time in 10 minutes of total hard exercise lost the same amount of fat. They had the same increase in mitochondria, which is this uh, muscle indicator, basically you're producing more energy in your body. And they had the same increase in their aerobic fitness, right? This is the biggest argument for people doing exercise, they don't have enough time. I promise you do. I promise you do. It's just how you're doing it. So so here's the only problem, not problem, but I think here's the, you know, the thing that um, is tough about that is, you know, a lot of us, you know, as you get older, Sean, you know, that high intensity is tough on your body, right? So whereas somebody can say, yo, I could go walk around the neighborhood for an hour, you know, a couple, you know, if I got an interval sprint here and there, I wake up the next morning, my leg, my ankle, you know what I mean? So like, like talk us through how to prepare for that. Because I, you know, one of my friends actually was the one that first told me about this high interval training, exactly what you're talking about. And he was like, yo, you don't need to spend an hour on the treadmill. Like you really don't. You can name that tune in 20, 30 minutes. And you know, the one of the things that I found was just like, yo, okay, I got you. But like sprinting like that, or you know, going hard for those times, like it can start to lead to some aches and pains that you're not used to. So walk us through how to build up to something like that where we can do that high you know, intensity work and not kill ourselves. Okay, for sure, man. And let me say this first is that the research indicates very clearly, and you know, again, talking to the top scientists in the world in the subject matter, even interval walking is far better for your metabolism and your ability to burn fat and calories by simply changing the pace of your walking. Where you Maybe you walk fast for 60 seconds and then you kind of, uh, reel it back mm. in and walk a little bit more moderate okay. pace for two minutes. You know yep. what I'm saying? Just yep. that because your body, it's not natural to just go at one pace the whole time. Your body gets adapted. That's the key. So, and then we move to the high intensity interval training. Now we have to understand, we have to take a global perspective now. Uh, we have to look at this from a meta perspective. Kids, and you know this as well, your kids don't just go to their room to get something. They run, right? Right. Okay. Oh, who you tell? A big part of our process in aging is lack of speed, lack of movement. (laughs) Right. We start to we start to slow down. Right. We take the kids. You must live in my house. (laughs) We take the kids to (laughs) the park. They running all. Every time, Sean. Every time I see my son, I'm like, Yo, can you go grab that? 
He takes off in a dead sprint, and I just look at him and go, mm. God, I would pay for that kind of energy right now. <laughs> I'm talking about a quarter of it. But here, <laughs> here's the thing, though, man. Here's the thing that I really want people to understand is that humans, we don't get energy. We create energy. All right. It's something called piezoelectricity. It's through movement that our body generates even more of this energy and this mitochondria mm. that are these kind of power plants in our cells that power us. And as we're how do you get more of it? By moving fast, as crazy as it sounds. If we were living in. So by moving fast, we actually give ourselves more energy. Yes, exactly. And this isn't just like mm. hearsay or some kind of guess. You literally create the type of uh, organelle that produces energy in your body. All right, so wow. we, we take this a step further and we understand that, okay, there might be some fear, especially if you're in a situation where you're overweight. And the situation that I was in, uh, you know, many years ago is like, I can't move all this. You can't expect me to try to move all this, you know? And mm -hmm. it's just start where you are with what you have. But you mm -hmm. absolutely have to understand that your body craves movement it actually craves speed We've, we're designed for three things we're designed to move slowly for long periods of time to move fast for very short periods of time that's how you would get your food or get away from danger right mm. but today we, our lives are so cozy we don't tap into this and your genes expect you to move fast so that helps with that genetic expression and the third thing is we also have these uh a genetic requirement to move heavy things you know, that's what we would be doing hmm. as we are creating community. We would be picking up heavy things, moving things around. But today we create an artificial simulation in a gym. Right. So but we need a little bit of that for our healthy genetic expression. So what's the on ramp there? Maybe I would have somebody come into a strength and conditioning coach for over a decade as well. And so I'd have people coming in that are, you know, 250 pounds, 350 pounds doing interval training as well. You know, maybe I'd have them go at 80 percent for 20 seconds and then recover for two minutes, yeah. right? And so it's you just, know, I'm caveman stuff. Yeah, yeah, and you know the most fascinating thing that I'm hearing, Carl, is like, we really do need to get back to the basics. Like you're taking us back to like some caveman stuff where it's like, yo, this is how our bad bodies were designed. You know what I mean? And so it really makes a lot of sense. I got another question and, and Sean, I know we're, we're gonna go, uh, how, how much time you got, Sean? Because I, I want to be respectful of your time, but I got a ton of questions. I want to make sure, because I got, I got some time, and I, I want this is important, and I want to make sure our listeners get this. It's a different kind of podcast for us, but you're providing so much value. Do, do you have a few minutes? I do, man. I got about 27 okay. minutes left. It's perfect. Beautiful. I want to use all 27, Carl. Um, no, no, seriously, because this is like, for real, we got a lot of people who follow us who are entrepreneurs, who are whatever, and, you know, I, I joke when I say the dad, Bob, but most of us are, you know, in that realm where, you know, for real, I, I just, I was talking to my wife the other night, and I was like, Bay, do you remember when we were in college and we would just like run up to Taco Bell real quick? Because last night we had salmon, um, like like a grilled salmon, and then we had like some uh, cauliflower and broccoli. Like we didn't even do any carbs or whatever. And I was like, man, you remember when we just used to run up to Taco Bell and not even, you know, and she was like, we were laughing about it. But, you know, I think this is important because one of the things that I think people struggle with, and you just kind of hit on it, and I think it's important, is we get so busy, right? It, like the number one driver of most of us right now is our professional lives, right? And like besides our family and those kind of things, of course, but our professional life. Look, I got to get to work at this time. I got to make this much money. I got to do this and I got to do that. And a lot of times our health falls at like fourth, fifth, sixth on the ladder, and we can't get it up. So you, you talked about some things that, you know, can help us. The interval training. You're saying, look, you don't need two hours a day to work out. And I used to use that excuse, too, because I used to go to the gym and I'd be like, 
I drop my kids off or something. And I go to the gym and I'm like, man, I got like 30 minutes before this next conference call. And I'm in the gym and I'm out of the gym. And I always look at guys who are in there like, of course you got a six pack. Of course you look all good. You're in the gym for like four hours a day. I'm like, right. I'm like, bro, how, like, where are you finding the time? But you're kind of giving us the cheat code. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about just, and this is a personal question for me now is I, I find myself sometimes like having to switch up my routine. How important is that we switch up the routine? Because I'll notice like I was on the treadmill heavy for like a long time and then I started to like feel like I was kind of plateauing. Like I didn't feel like I was getting that, you know, those gains I was looking for. And so I went back to the elliptical and I felt like, boom, okay, the elliptical's helping. And now I'm at the point on the elliptical where I had to move it to the Stairmaster and like get different. I think my body gets used to what I'm doing. So even though I'm putting in that interval training and doing what you're saying, how important is it, or is it, maybe not at all, maybe it's just in my mind, to actually switch up that regimen? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, our bodies, the number one driving force of our design is to adapt, right? So our bodies are always constantly looking for being able to put things on auto mode and just overcome that stressor so that it doesn't have to feel like it's a stressor anymore. That's what its whole drive is to do. You know, so it's absolutely essential if you're going to trigger your body to grow and to develop. And so that doesn't mean necessarily growing like big muscles. That means to grow in health is that you definitely need to change up the stimuli for sure. It's just like anything in life, whether it's business or uh, anything else. If we become complacent, our bodies literally and that's a big reason people do a lot of cardio too, man, to be real, is that it's mindless. Right. It's mindless activity. And so you can just kind of set it and forget it. And I actually just shared this study the other day. Crazy thing, man, since you mentioned the elliptical. Um, there was a, a recent study that found that the elliptical actually overestimates the amount of calories you burn by about 42%. All right. It's aligned. Our, our machines aligned to us, man. And so I'm serious. percent though? I'm serious, man. I, and people, anything that I say. That's why I'm still fluffy, Carl. <laughs> anything, that's why I'm, anything that I say. <laughs> that thousand calories you right. burned was really mm. 200. Anything that I say, man, people can, of course, go to wow. Dr. Google and check it out, man. Just type in. Um, I, I believe that the, there's a consolidated version of that study is in Shape Magazine. So people just type in Shape and then uh, uh like a cardio machine lie or something like that it'll come up wow. you'll find it so l let me oh so yeah so we so that makes sense so we got to switch it yeah, up so for sure that makes sense well, I I, i'm saying it, we've Carl. gone like a couple of different pieces sean i think you kind of hit it but i really want to now i want to now kind of go into okay so we do all this we eat a little better you know what i mean we start moving our bodies again now talk to me about what that looks like in my performance, because of course I know ultimately mm, it's a yes. you know it's a mind thing literally. And I, I wanted to ask you this when you started because you were just saying, like the news you got literally like it deb debilitated you. You know what I'm saying? At least for a period of time. But somewhere in your mind, you know what I'm saying? Again, I just want to speak to the power of the mind. Like we we all kind of you know talk about how deep it is, and you know we don't know the full capability of the mind and all that. But you got a machine that's working at its optimum or at least, you know, you're progressing to optimum. What does that look like now when you get up in the morning and you, you know, get you, you, how does your family life change? How does your work life change? Like, yeah, speak to that for me. OK, man. Yeah. It's hard as hell to be positive when you don't feel good. It's very, very difficult. It's very, very difficult to have a positive disposition and to even see opportunity when the world is kind of colored in a more in a less energetic way it's very difficult but we can do it that's what makes us very special and unique we can muster up 
and push our way through. But how about we set ourselves up for success and make sure that we give ourselves the opportunity to see and to feel all of the good that's out there. And so for me, man, I mean, I went from a big part of the change that happened and I, I don't talk about this enough, but I do mention this is that I truly do believe that the number one most influential factor on our health and our success in life is our relationships. And when I was going through this situation with my with my spine all those years ago, my relationships were terrible, man. And, you know, my wife knows, but I mean, I was the worst, man. I was the worst. I, you know, just with the different girls and I was in college, that kind of thing. I, it was terrible, man. And I was really disrespecting myself, you know, let alone the women that I was um, uh, grown man gifts with. Right. Is that right? <laughs> Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you got it. The T-shirt to be out for Christmas. <laughs> and so a big part of that healing process was understanding my value and how I had been devaluing myself uh, because it's like a goal. There's like a, a societal underpinning for especially in our community as men, um, you know, to be that person who is, you know, um, vanquishing a lot of women and having the, all these different uh, relationships. It's something that is is looked up to. And this is why I love what you guys do, because you represent something different, something better. Because we're looking at, you know, the Instagram celebrity with all these different girls and all this stuff. And I see that and I think about I think about the girl like where 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 is your love? Where is your where is your family? You know, and it's because hurt people hurt people, man. And we don't really understand that uh, what we're doing and how we're raising our kids is a huge influence on how they're uh, interacting. So today, to get to the point, my relationship is the example for my for my kids. You know, so my two sons stay with me in my house still. My, I have a 16-year-old son and a five-year-old son. And I love my wife so much. She's my best friend. She's the reason that I am who I am, really. And But it hasn't, hasn't always been that way. And it was, again, more difficult in the beginning when I was trying to sort myself out. And I, I really hope that more people realize that, especially the people listening who aren't in a relationship, to come into the relationship as a whole, right? You come into it complete so you don't have this Jerry Maguire idea that somebody's going to complete you and so that you're not coming in with a deficiency, you know? And so that relationship is amazing. And what we did was the biggest key I'll share with you guys is um, understanding the other person's driving force, right? So my wife's number one driving force is certainty. My number one driving force most of the time is growth, right? So those two things are going to hit in not a good way, right? Because I'm taking <laughs> risk. I'm pressing, uh, pushing the envelope. I'm looking for growth. Security. Right. And so I had to pay attention to that. I couldn't be taking, making all these moves and bouncing around and doing these different things until I made her feel like she is good. She's not just good. She is good for for, for the rest of her life, you know? But I mean, you don't have to go that far. It feels like that. And what happens, this magical thing happens. Once her number one driving force is f- fulfilled, she then became my number one growth pusher, right? She's become the person pushing me out the door, like, go do this. You got this thing coming. Uh, you know, this uh, this thing just came in. You got to take action on that. You got to do that. I would have never thought that she would be that person. But it's because I worked on myself 
and helped her to address that number one driving force for her. So, yeah, man. So, yeah. I love it. Yep, love it. Real quick, Sean, because I know we got a, we got a limited amount of time, but I want to I want to run through um, just some of the things you know as far as the sleep because we have a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to the podcast and they grind hard. And I think you know just reading through the book again, pick it up. Sleep Smarter, Sean Stevenson, it, it, like, it's a great read and it'll really help you. And a lot of the stuff I've used because I went through and you really convicted me on some things. So I want to kind of just rapid fire through some of these titles of the chapters and just give us uh, a brief summary of, of what they can learn. Obviously, they can go through the book and get the whole thing, but I'm going to just pick a, a, a few of them. Uh, but you said get more yes. sunlight during the day. Yes. Talk so us through that. The big takeaway, kind of a big headline from today's show, there's probably a lot of them, but one of the big headlines is that a great night of sleep starts the moment that you wake up in the morning. And so what I mean by that is every morning you're setting the, the tone for your, they're called biological rhythms and how your body is going to move in and out of phases for sleep and everything that you do. So there was a study that was published in the, I believe is the Journal of um, Innovation, Innovation Nutrition or something like that. But the, the study is cited in the book and what they discovered was that individuals who got an adequate amount of sun exposure in the morning, specifically between the hours of 6 a.m. and 8.30 a.m., they had a far greater incidence and a decrease in cortisol at night. So what does all that mean? Bottom line is um, they discovered that cortisol, this, you guys have heard about cortisol, of course. You know, it's one of those big catchwords out there. But it's not a bad guy. It just gets a bad rap. Cortisol is a problem when it's produced too much and at the wrong time. So having cortisol high in the evening, which many people are unknowingly doing, cortisol suppresses your sleep hormone melatonin. All right, so they found that getting sunlight in the morning can make your melatonin higher and cortisol lower at night, thus intimately mm. helping you sleep. And uh, to put a bow on this one, this is how we evolved. We evolved having exposure to sun, you know, and today we become these like, uh, going into the, the, the cubicle dungeon, and we don't, especially, you know, uh, the African-American community need even more sunlight. We have built-in sunscreen, so you need even more sun exposure. And, you know, my mm. wife is from Kenya, so her coming here and not having that adequate sun exposure created some issues. But as soon as she become, became aware of this and was proactive at doing it, it turned everything around. And last thing really quick is that there are there are some hacks for this one because some people will be like, you know, bro, I live in uh, I live in Boston. Uh, I was waiting Michigan. for you. I was waiting for you, bro. I was here sitting waiting for you. I live in Michigan. What am I supposed to do? So what we could do is, number one, we can't. There's still opportunity when it's not as cold to get out because your body will build. It actually builds up when you're in the sun. Uh, it can build up a reserve of vitamin D just from being in the sun uh, for a certain amount of time. It's great to get out and travel to, uh, you know, vacation, you know, get some time where you can get some better sun exposure. But there are some uh, light therapy devices that you can utilize. These are clinically proven to be effective. Like uh, there's a, a like a light box is used to treat seasonal affective disorder, and it's again it's clinically proven to work. There are also visors, you know, that put this kind of uh, spectrum of light into your into your eyes. There's earbuds for phototherapy that goes right into your ear canal. But I'd rather get the real natural thing. And if it, anything, guys, make sure that you're at least working in an area that has windows, that light can at least come into the room because phototherapy is also important just for your vision, your optical receptors. 
Got it. Love it. Um, oh, oh, this next one really com- convicted me. Avoid screens before bedtime. Walk us through that. Because, I, I, because I'm going to be real with you. Here go my problem, Sean. And now my wife doesn't let me, so I, you know she's not into it. But like, I always want to fall asleep with the TV on because when I go to bed, I got so much on my mind from the day that like I'll turn on the game, and even though I'm not gonna watch it, and I know I'm gonna fall asleep within like 10 minutes, like it provides a distraction for me. So I always feel like you know it helps me fall asleep because otherwise I'm sitting in the bed. You know, I'm, I'm laying there thinking and then the next thing I know, an hour and a half went by and I'm still just thinking about work or thinking about, you know, what I got to do the next day. So, but but you, you made some interesting points in avoiding the screens before bed. So uh, walk us Quick question, it. man. This brings to mind, I don't know if you guys saw that skit with Wayne Brady when he fell asleep watching that Bobby Brown video. Uh, it sounds familiar, I but I don't think I've seen so it. So his girl was familiar. telling him not to fall asleep with the TV on and that kind of thing. And then he went into a, a dream where he was in a Bobby Brown Every Little Step video with Mike Tyson. <laughs> Mike Tyson was dancing Oh, yeah, with yeah, 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 yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. So that's yeah, just what I, I thought exactly about, man. You're if you're showing up in a, uh, you know, in a Lakers jersey or whatever, you know. Oh, no doubt. With the big Every Little Step level. <laughs> so uh, this is something, you know, I, the first manifestation of my book came out. This was about five years I've been pushing this into culture. And a lot of people know about this now. Um, but I don't think uh, enough do. You know, we still have millions and millions of people that don't know about this. But our biggest issue today, the number one destroyer of sleep quality is our tech devices. Now, full disclosure, I love my iPhone, love my MacBook. All right. So but we have a, a, a good relationship. You know, we have an understanding. And so Harvard researchers, and these are some pretty smart guys, Harvard researchers confirm that the blue light exposure, the blue light and white light spectrum that's coming from your screens, whether you can see it or not. This is why, and just to give people a, uh, uh, like, how, what do you mean blue light? If you've ever walked past somebody when they're watching the TV or looking at their iPhone in the dark, and it's kind of like they're glowing, mm-hmm. like this bluish white light. That glow, right? yeah. So that's what's yep. happening all the time. And so that, what the Harvard researchers discovered was that that blue light exposure suppresses melatonin and increases your cortisol. It suppresses your melatonin so much that every hour you're on your device, it suppresses melatonin for 30 minutes. All right. So if you're watching a two hour movie or two hour game right before bed, your melatonin, you might go to bed and be physiologically passed out and unconscious. But it's taking away an entire hour of sleep and recovery from your system because Mm. melatonin isn't on turning on the recovery programs. This is why it's sleeping smarter. You know, you don't have to sleep more, but just you actually get that hour so you wake up feeling good. And so. So how long how long before bed should we stop looking at screens? All right. Let's do the uh, the light version. We'll do the crystal light version. Just give yourself 30 minutes. <laughs> please, please. Right. The fluffy version. 30 minutes will be will Let's be just incredible. call this the fluffy version. Hey, so you said 30, but then what about, so I know Apple, of course, heard of your research that you mentioned and of course you saw what they did they now give the option to turn your screen warmer color so it's not the bluish light anymore you can adjust that same does it matter or you know is it 15 minutes because of that a great marketing tech of course so yeah. the question is people. why would why would a multi-billion dollar company do something like that and i'll tell you why because they don't want you to turn the phone off that's also the repercussions because now um, things like, you know, the World Health Organization has come out and said that shift work, you know, working overnight is a class 2A carcinogen, right? So it's a cancer-causing agent just being up at night because it suppresses your melatonin. 
And melatonin is also, it's not just about sleep, it's a powerful anti-cancer hormone. So if they're messing with that kind of stuff, this could be like a situation where McDonald's is making me fat, so I'm gonna sue them, even though you're making the decision to use it. Wow. So they know where the where things are going, and we wanna be able to, of course, to consume their products. So I, I love these hacks. Mm -hmm. So it's called Night Shift, and everybody has it right now. If you don't know, uh, you just swipe your phone up, and it's yep. right there in the tool setting. You set it and forget it. And it's very effective, because here's what those researchers also found, is that the blue light, they compared it to green light exposure of the same luminance. And the blue light uh, suppressed melatonin twice as long and disrupted the sleep cycle twice as much as, as green light did. Red light was negligible in how it affects your melatonin. So, and if you look at how we evolved, if we did have light at night, it was from fire. So that was that reddish, orangish color that we are used to. And that's what your screen could do. And by the way, for your, for your uh, laptop, desktop, there's an app called Flux. It's F.L.U.X. I've been using it for about four years. I love it. Uh, again, you just click a couple times, set it and forget it on your screen. It pulls out the most troublesome spectrum of light from your screen at night automatically. Wow. And so um, we, can, we got these hacks that we can use. And then if we want to watch, kick back and watch a movie and you really want to go ham with this whole uh, being a sleep master, um, you get some, there's blue light blocking glasses that you could put on. You know, there's some cool ones <laughs> and there's some ugly ones. You know, you could throw them on. Kick hey, back. I feel like I'm on Shark Tank right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, and I've experimented a lot with this stuff, man. But, um, and it just depends on how hard you want to go. But the best thing, though, is to give yourself a little bit of a screen curfew. 30 minutes is, is like the bare minimum. An hour is ideal. But it's like, what am I going to do in an hour before bed? There is the problem. We cannot take away something like people love we love instagram we love facebook we love youtube right. videos you can't take that away and just sit there and twiddle your thumbs you're gonna get what i call the internet jitters right you're gonna be tweaking <laughs> right just let me get just let me get one post just let me look at one post withdraw right and so i got these cheeseburgers so but what we want to do is <laughs> what we want to do i caught that sean i caught I it. You I would. it i knew yep. you would a lot of them won't a lot of them won't catch it <laughs> Shout out to all my Minister Society fans. Uh -huh. <laughs> what we want to do is understand that we have to replace it with something of greater or equal value. And that's mm -hmm. really the key. So this is a great time for us to actually, this is going to sound crazy, but talk to your spouse, right? You can actually talk to your significant other. Uh, this is where you could do some reading. You're kidding. Right. I know it sounds crazy, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. When we start doing that, that you wow. know, right. hang out with the kids, you know, play some games, read a physical book, listen to a podcast. You don't have to stare at your phone to listen to a podcast or audio book. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Or this is a great time for the grown man gifts, right? And I actually, wonderful time. I actually yep. <laughs> did an entire chapter dedicated to how sex impacts your sleep quality and how your sleep quality intimately impacts your sex life as well. Um, oh, so. See, you should have started there with the questions. <laughs> uh, well, the, you know, we, we, we try to keep it G-rated. G, uh, as, as much as we can. No, I, lo I love it, Sean. Real quick, because I want to get through a couple more of these that I have circled. Uh, the caffeine curfew, which probably won't be hard for Carl and E, because oh, they don't yeah. drink coffee, but what time do I have to stop drinking coffee? Okay, full disclosure, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of caffeine. Um, but again, it's just how we relate to it. Um, caffeine is a very powerful nervous system stimulant. And so uh, there was a fascinating study that was done. And what they did was they gave uh, test subjects caffeine at three different times and, and, uh, to test their, their results. And so they gave people caffeine right before they went to bed. 
They gave them caffeine three hours before bed, a different group. And then they gave people a different group uh, six hours before bed. They gave them caffeine. And even six hours out produced measurable disruptions in their sleep quality to the degree that the patients, for example, were sleeping unconscious. They were unconscious for eight hours, but they only got seven hours of sleep. They pulled away an entire hour of their sleep quality because of the caffeine being active. And the reason is caffeine. So that Yeah, that's crazy, man. That is insane. I know, right? And Go ahead. The reason is what? Caffeine has something. It's called a, a, an eight-hour half-life for most people. And so what that means is after eight hours, half of it's still active in your system. So if you have you know, a 200-milligram cup of coffee, eight hours later, 100 is still active. And most people are not having 200. You know, it's probably closer to four or five. All right? And the problem with that is that, and so let me give the solution. Number one, give yourself a little bit of a, a caffeine curfew. Just get in, in the early part of the day. Um, mm-hmm. Number two is I would highly recommend um, same thing with training like we talked about earlier. Give yourself a different stimuli because your body gets adapted. Your body gets you're not getting the same kind of when you first had that coffee the very first time. It's like you just took the limitless pill. Right. It's like, oh, this right. exists. And then over time, it becomes less and less effective to the degree you need to. Oh, Sean, not to cut you, Sean, but I promise you, I did mine the first time my brother and I were on this long road trip. He was exhausted. I was like, bet, I'm going to stop at the next gas station, hit me a cup. It was about two days later before I slept, bro. I was <laughs> wired. I'm serious. That junk had me wired. So I get it. I ain't never did it since then. But that junk had me wired. Two, two days, literally, like my mm. body was still just like spazzing. And some people also, we got to look at our individual metabolism for caffeine. Some people are highly sensitive and others, you know, they can shorten that time, their caffeine metabolism, the half-life could be, you know, maybe six or five hours, you know. So we got to be aware of that component. So I would recommend switching it up a little bit, maybe even changing the caffeine source every now and then, you know. So maybe you switch to green tea for a couple of days and so that when you actually have the coffee, you get what you want from it. So you don't have to overconsume it. And so there's just a couple of strategies there because it's not just caffeine, yeah, two, it's also two, the type. Got you. I want, I want, I want to hit two more, and I know we got to go, but just, just give me one second. I'm going to hit two more. And there's so many more principles, guys. There's 21 principles that, you know, Sean really walks you through in depth. Pick up the book again, Sleep Smarter. I'm telling you, it is a, a tremendous read that will help you get a lot more out of your sleep. For those of you who, you know, you're here now. For those of you who say, man, I got, you know, six hours of sleep, seven hours of sleep, and I'm still tired. You may not be getting that full sleep, and Sean teaches you how to get that full sleep. Two things real quick, Sean. Um, the, the one thing I thought was actually really interesting was be cool. You talked about the temperature in the room when you sleep. Walk us through that really quick, and then I got one more. Okay, sure, sure. Um, so this there's a pro, just like you know we were talking about with your daughter you know, uh, earlier about the fever. And mm-hmm. there's a myth that we have in our cultures that the human body, and this I was taught this in a university setting, 98.6 degrees. That's where we're supposed to live. And that's just not true. Your body, your temperature fluctuates a lot throughout the day. And one of the times that the temperature actually drops is when uh, when the sun goes down. And this is a process called thermoregulation. So thermoregulation, your body has a natural drop in the core body temperature to facilitate sleep programs. And the problem is, you know, we can artificially stimulate ourselves by not being having a dark cycle and keep our body temperature too high and we could unknowingly keep the environment too warm 
And so what the research shows is that, and I just talked to one of the foremost experts in the world in this subject matter, he recommends between 62 and 68 degrees Fahrenheit for sleeping. Now, for mm. some people, that's going to sound super frosty. And again, oh, I just made it, Sean. My, my house, my thermostat said it's 67 at night. So I just oh, there made you go, it. man. Perfect. And so you being from more a climate where there's going to be a lot more sun, sunshine and warmth. My wife is from Kenya again. So she don't really play around with the cold, yeah. but she did a test. Right. She like 60, 62. Have yeah. you lost your mind? <laughs> so we had to come to, and I'm a more of a warm body person, you know, so we had to come to mm -hmm. an understanding. And what she did, she tested it, and she did find that her sleep quality was far better when it, when it was cold in the room. Her issue was getting out of bed in the morning when it's cold and the yeah. covers are so warm. Or getting out the shower in the morning. Lord have mercy. So yeah. the hack was I simply just get up before her and go turn the thermostat up. You know, so that makes her, uh, you know, yeah. it's something simple as that, man. So that's what we want to target. And if you are somebody who tends to be cold nature, it's usually our extremities. So just wear some warm socks to bed, you know. And um, they, there was, this, again, everything that I talk about is based on scientific uh, research, clinically proven stuff. And yeah. they took insomniacs who these are individuals with chronic sleep, sleep issues. And they fitted them with these uh, cooling caps that lowered their temperature just one degree. Right, that ran cold water uh, over their ca these caps that they put on their head, and this is so crazy, man. These individuals who have chronic insomnia were able to fall asleep faster than people who didn't have insomnia, and they slept almost as long. All right, simply by getting them a little bit cooler. Just like they're saying, cool is the other side of the pillow. You know, it feels good. Mm -hmm. And so, I'm not saying you need to go get a cool cap but just make the environment a little bit cooler. And it, it's one of those things that stack conditions in your favor to help you sleep better. Yeah, last thing, and this is one that's important, and, and you, talked to, you, know, you talked about it in the book quite extensively and listed some research principles, or some research findings, I should say, and it's, uh, you know, be early to rise. And I know E always talks about he gets up at 3 a.m. You know, a lot of the you know, most successful people in the world that we hear about, you know, they got this early rise time. And it turns out it's not just by coincidence. There's some actual statistical data and some things to back that up. And in particular, I'm thinking of the research that you referenced. I think it was Harvard maybe that did the study where it showed that you know, individuals who considered themselves morning, you know, people and got up earlier actually had a, a, an entire point higher GPA than individuals that didn't. And so walk us through, um, last thing, you know, kind of why it's important to get up early, why it's important to get that full night's rest, because, you know, you always get those people who say, well, I'm a night person. And Sean, they want to they want to grind till four in the morning and sleep till noon. They always say I work better at night. But we're actually not built or wired as human beings, obviously, as we can catch throughout the, you know, the theme of the podcast going back to, you know, our, our roots of kind of how we were built to survive. But we're actually built, you know, talk about that circadian rhythm and why getting up in the morning is so important. OK, you got it, man. So um, you just said it, you know, there's a lot of um, ability in our world today to kind of go against our biological rhythms. So when people talk about you know, being a night owl and things like that. I mean, you're, you're literally not an owl, all right? So humans are not nocturnal creatures. Now, with that said, please understand, and you mentioned earlier that was a, that was a study, that was University of North Texas, and found that um, individuals who were early risers had a 3.5 GPA compared to 2.5 GPA on average. Of course, there are anomalies. There are people who are crushing it that stay up at night in college, right? right? But they also found that they tend to be, after graduation, when you get into the real world, tend to be less successful in business because their body is not on the same circadian clock as society. 
All right, so here's the thing. There is a variance here. This doesn't mean that you need to go to bed at 9 o'clock p.m. You could stay up, you know, uh, you could ideally you want to get some of that money time. You know, maybe it's midnight, something like that. I would recommend it's not any later than that uh, because of the benefit I talked about earlier in regards to, to what E.T. is doing. But whatever it is, you want to be consistent. That's the key because your body and I just shared the study the other day. Uh, there was a study done that found that individuals who change their uh, the time that they go to sleep on the weekends only and then they're consistent during the week. Uh, have maybe a uh, three times greater incidence of being obese. Now, some of this is out of our control, but the most that we can, we want to try to be consistent. So if your bedtime is generally at midnight, just try and target that as, as frequently as you can. There are extenuating circumstances. We got kids. They're the king of thir- curveballs, right? But just having that in mind that we want to give our body consistent biological rhythm as much as we can is a good idea. And specifically in being early to rise, some of the benefits, I mean, we're talking about um, there's a journal of applied social psychology. They found that the early risers tend to be more productive than evening people. And the study found that uh, the individuals who quote morning people anticipate problems better and minimize them more effectively. Again, I don't want to make a blanket statement because there are people who stay up late that are great at this stuff. But these studies are looking at the broader spectrum, you know, on average. And just nudging us to pay more attention to that. And there's, I got to share this thing, man. This is very, very important. We share, we talked about a lot of stuff today. But this might be that leverage point for people to really understand how important this is. There was a study done at the University of Chicago. And what they did was they put the individuals on a calorie-restricted diet. Something I would do with my traditional training. Not necessarily the right thing to do. To measure their fat loss. During the first phase of the study, they let them get eight and a half hours of sleep. All right. They take the same people. Now they have them on the same exact diet and they sleep deprive them. They cut away three hours of their sleep. And at the end of the study, they found that they they lost 55 percent more body fat when they got adequate sleep. So that's that's huge. You can't get that. You can't get a change like that from beating yourself down in the gym every day. And the question is, how can I get so much from doing nothing? And that's really the point. And we're not talking about, um, we're not talking about no sleep and you know I sleep when I'm dead. I promise you. I mean, there's there's some great messages from some of these people, but I promise you they get sleepy and they go to sleep. All right. The reality is, it's what we do in our waking hours, and then that sleep is where all the magic happens to transform you, mind, mind body, and spirit. It integrates your whole system. And if you're not getting that adequate amount of sleep, you're not producing as much human growth hormone, testosterone. Your testosterone literally is sleep dependent. That's the number one factor influencing your testosterone is it's literally the, it's kind of like putting a hooking up the gas pump to your car. As soon as you wake up, it gets pulled out and testosterone stops being built. And as you go through the day, it goes down until you go back to sleep again. All right. So all of these factors matter. And if people don't really get it as far as like literally transforming your body, because the change happens to your body while you're sleeping, not when you're in the gym. When you're in the gym, you're actually getting into worse shape because you're breaking your body down. The change happens when you get that rest and recovery. And that's what this is really all about. Man, the podcast is called The Model Health Show. The book is called Sleep Smarter. My man, Sean Stevenson, 
Thanks a million for joining us, man. I really think we needed this. Like I said, man, we all have so many questions as it relates to, you know, health and, you know, eating right and training our bodies to get up early and get that sleep. And, you know, we got families and life gets so crazy. But obviously, we want to be around for our families as long as we can. We want to be as healthy as we possibly can, as productive as we possibly can. And Sean has definitely figured out the secrets, the tips and tricks to helping you guys get more sleep, eat better, just live a more you know, successful life. We know the better we feel, the better we do, man. The, the, the more um, energy we have, the more we produce. And so, Sean, man, thanks a million for jumping on here. Please tell them how, how they can get in contact with you. We told them to podcast the book, but give them the website, give them, you know, the email address, whatever you want to give out uh, to our listeners. Where can they find you? Where can they contact you and learn more about what you got going on? Perfect, man. And uh, I just, I love what you guys do, man. I, I'm very honored to be uh, a part of this and to be um, uh, just to be even mentioned in the same breath with what you guys have been putting together, man. You guys are outstanding and um, being able to help get the podcast going. I'm pumped, man. This is one of the I listen to like two podcasts myself and I listen to you guys show. I love it. And uh, but people for sure, man. And uh, people can connect with me anywhere that they're listening to this podcast. You can find the Model Health Show. So if, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, whatever the case may be. Uh, it's called The Model Health Show, and online it's themodelhealthshow.com. And we generally have videos for every episode uh, where you can kind of, you know, join join us in the studio and hang out. We have a good time. And we do master classes on whatever the subject matter is. So if it's, um, you know, reversing type 2 diabetes, if it's the relationship between sleep and sex, the relationship between uh, your digestion and autoimmune diseases, and I actually just had on uh, Dr. Terry Walls, who is... Um, uh, somebody who struggled with multiple sclerosis. And so this was very relevant for, and I, I knew as soon as I met her that this would be something that resonates with me because of E.T.'s story. And uh, she was wheelchair bound. And today she is like doing, uh, you know, uh, cross country bike rides and like speaking on stage and dancing because she found out uh, the autoimmune component and was able to reverse this illness. So you get to hear from people like that, subject matters like that. And uh, the book Sleep Smarter is available anywhere you buy books. Uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, all that good stuff. And uh, of course, you can find it on the website as well. And uh, again, I just appreciate you guys so much. I love, love, love what you do. Awesome work, Sean, man. Sean is spelled S-H-A-W-N. I know it's a million spellings. So our people, as soon as they hear this, they're going to be looking you up. S-H-A-W-N, Stevenson, S-T-E-V-E-N-S-O-N. So make sure you look my man up. Just killing it, crushing it, giving out some great nuggets. You know, we don't co-sign a whole lot. We don't have a whole lot of guests, but this was um, definitely powerful, Sean. One of the best episodes we've had just in terms of the content, the information, and being able to educate our audience, man. We love the people who listen to us. We want them to live long, healthy lifestyles. And again, man, go check out the podcast. Check out the book, Sleep Smarter. Sean, we out of here, man. We'll see you soon, brother. Everybody listening, thanks for listening in. Go write us that review. We'll see you next week. I want you to focus on here right now. Don't you worry about when you get home. You make this, you concentrate on this opportunity. You don't worry about tomorrow. You concentrate on this opportunity with all your might, with all your soul.